Anybody ever watch Deal or No Deal? You ever watch it? Okay, so I want to set the atmosphere for a second. Natalie? She, I am so, I, I got to tell you this. The Lord, if you'll just stand right here, my lovely assistant. Can you put your hands together? <laughs> okay, so she's going to stand there for just a second. I was thinking about something. I don't want to sound selfish, but... This morning, while I was praising the Lord and while he was touching my heart and just renewing my spirit and giving me strength, I sat down and, and mom, I looked down and I saw this. I know this is one of dad's favorite little handkerchiefs. And I put it in my pocket this morning. I was thinking about him and I thought, you know what? My dad's in heaven. He's looking, in the, he's looking at the things that I long to be able to see and touch. He's there right now. My dad, he's part of me. Part of me is in heaven right now experiencing all the things I sing about, all the things that I long for. He's there, and I know that he is, and he's experiencing that. And then I thought, and my mother's sitting right here in service with me. And my wife is next door sewing into the hearts and the lives of our children, and I looked and I thought, dear God, all five of my children are with me in church today. I know they work and they're going all over the place. This is my oldest daughter, Natalie, and I'm so proud of her. She's got a lot going on. She's getting married soon, but she agreed. Let them see that smile. Look, oh, <laughs> okay. She agreed to stand up here for a second, but with deal or no deal, I don't know if you have, have you ever watched that? Okay, if you haven't, this is just kind of a quick nutshell version. Deal or no deal, there's a guy that stands here, and he says, Jen, and then there's all these little, nice little, pretty, usually it's little pretty ladies up there holding briefcases, and they all have the potential to have a dollar amount in their briefcase. I forget how many. Maybe there's 50. You might know more than me, but there's a bunch, and they're all standing there with briefcases. Can you hold a briefcase for pretend? Yeah, that's sort of like holding a big, um, an iPad Pro Max. <laughs> I know, that, no, that's fine. And if she gets tired, let me know because I'm going to pick on her. No. But so they're all up here holding briefcases and then you. So if, it, Jen, if this was you on Deal or No Deal, I'm up here and, you know, even though I'm balding here, I still have a little more hair than Howie Mandel. <laughs> but he stands up here and he says things like, okay, you pick and you got to pick these and... Based upon if you pick right or incorrect, you get certain amounts of money. If you make the wrong choice, you lose your opportunity. You might leave with $13, but there's potential to leave with $1 million. And the whole time that she's standing there, if she's participating, can you stand up with me for a second and just kind of like give, give the whole church a look like, I'm so excited to be on Deal or No Deal. <laughs> Je that, honestly, I think that's what she would do. That You are so good. But so like he stands up here and he's like, okay. And so they have choices to make. They, they look up there and she picks numbers and she's like, I want number 46. I want number 21. I want number 18. And there's all these chances that she takes. And if she makes good choices, she starts making a little bit of money. But then this guy right here, it's all Hollywood and slicked back and there are no hair, but slicked up, whatever you call it. He's like, well, I tell you what. And there's always this moment when she thinks things are going good, 
And she's like, wow, I'm up to $10,000. And she gets excited about it. And all of a sudden you hear, bring, bring. And there's this dark unknown figure that speaks. Okay. I know that you've chosen this, but I just got a call. And we want to offer you. And they always have an offer that they make. It's a tempting offer. It's usually a little bit more than where she stands right now. But if she takes it, she loses the potential for anything else. So you follow how deal, no deal goes? Natalie, thank you. Jen, thank you. Yes. Put your hands together for our great volunteers. So the deal or no deal... It's so crazy because I was just so excited about this Sunday and I had all these things that God was just this whole week just like dropping all these things into my heart about what I thought I was going to plan on. Then all of a sudden, God just, it's like out of nowhere, I heard, I don't even think deal or no deal even plays anymore, does it? Is it? Okay. I, I haven't watched it for years. I've seen it like a long time ago. And then all of a sudden... Out of nowhere, I just heard in my, in my mind, it was like my own voice saying, it, an awkward time when I was praying, deal or no deal. And I was like, okay, God, deal or no deal. And I started praying on it. And I'm going to, the next couple minutes, you're going to be happy to know my complete preparation notes and study is one and a quarter pages. And I can get through that in 30 seconds if you let me. But it might take me a few extra minutes. But... The deal or no deal I want to talk about, it's got to start with understanding this. We have the potential to hear a lot of voices in the decisions that we make in life, right? You know what I'm saying? Jan, if you were playing that and you had all those things to pick from, you have choices to make based upon how you feel, what you know, what you think. And you might be absolutely convinced that you're, you know and you're ready and, and that's my choice and that's the best next step for me and that's it. And then all of a sudden, can somebody make the sound of an old school telephone? That sounded like a bird. <laughs> Come on, somebody really go for it. I, I'm not talking about the little sound effects on our smartphones. I'm talking about what used to hang with the 55-foot coiled up cord. What did that sound like? Somebody that remembers. Come on, anybody. Wow. We're going to be here all day. Okay. All right. Louder. Louder. So right at the moment that people were making their decision, aren't, put your hands together for our tech team. They found that, downloaded it, uploaded it, put it in, put it in the system and played it while you all were going, bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> they accomplished like a million things while you were just debating whether to open your mouth. Um, that's why they're back there and you're not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Natalie. Did you play the sound of a telephone? I'm getting old. Wait, where is that sound? Play it again. Right here. Close my microphone. I just gave them credit. You all better come out here and apologize. <laughs> play it. I got an important decision to make. 
That really, to me, mother, I remember being in Locust Grove. I don't know how, but somehow that phone with the cord, any place on our main floor, you could stand and talk on it. Because that cord, I remember so many times walking in a room and like, oh, it's like, who's on the phone? I mean, you think WWE was good in the 1970s when you wanted to talk on the telephone, there was clotheslines happen all day. If so, there was no sneaking in what was so funny, and I remember this, it was so funny to me because you, there wasn't, and when someone thought that they were sneaking, you'd see a cord shut into like a bathroom door, like, for real? It's wrapped in through the dining room, across the kitchen, you can't walk past it without hitting your, your face on it, and then it's tucked into the bathroom. No, Jason, we're not doing private calls today. And then if you got real sneaky and you figured out a way to not get caught, there was always a second phone in a bedroom upstairs or in a basement. And you'd be talking, hey, are, do you want to go to the mall tonight? Are you guys going to meet over at Moonglow? You want to go to Dream Machine? What do you think? You want to walk around the neighborhood and do all this? What do you want to do? And you'd hear this. Um, I mean, did you get an A on that last report? Because you knew someone picked up the second phone and they heard what you were saying. So with, in this spiritual walk, there is a constant deal or no deal. But one of the most important things we got to remember, and I feel like this is going to be such a simple thing. But we got to pay attention to whose voice we're living to believe, listening to. And I put it up there. Whose voice will you believe? And, and none of this will matter None of this will matter unless you know that hell is real. Do you know it's a real place? Do you know it's a real? It's not a thought. It's not a symbolized poem of conjecture to try to get people to think positively about something that's negative or a dark thing. It's a real place. It's been prepared for a real situation. The decisions and the choices that we make will be affected greatly by whether or not we believe hell is real. If you think that, mm, you know, that, I don't believe in all that big red. See, here's the thing is, the first time someone tried to make us think that the devil shows up with a big pitchfork in a red suit with smoke coming behind him and all these red lights and things flashing and all that, they lied to you because the Bible says he'll come as an angel of light. He'll come in a way that looks good, that tastes good, that feels good, that makes you think things are great. If you don't believe that hell is real, you will not make the right deals. Because if you think it's not real, you understand, oh, there's no punishment. I'll live how I want. I'll make what decisions I want because there's no retribution. There's no place I could go. God is way too loving for that. He is. He's just way too loving for that. But 2 Peter verse 2, or chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, I want to read this. I just want to set this up because we're getting to, a, it's going to be a quick conclusion. But deal or no deal. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes, 
and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Don't think you're going to sneak out of God's eye. If he held the angels accountable, and if he held armies and nations from the past, don't think you're going to slip by without making the right deal. You don't accidentally get to heaven. You don't not cuss and not drink and not smoke and not sex around and not this and not that, and that gets you to heaven. That is not the way. Well, God, you know I gave this up for you. Okay, that's great, but I never knew you. Well, I came to church every Sunday. That's awesome. I prayed and cried at the altar. That's great too, but I never knew you. Well, Lord, I spoke in tongues. I got goosebumps. I sang every word to every song. And when they called for people of faith to pray, I even came up and laid my hands on them. And people even recovered when I was praying. That's great, but I never knew you. The thing that gets us before the Father is the Son. A relationship with Jesus Christ. Relational. It's walking with him. It's talking with him. It's getting to know him. It's striving to be with him. And if we don't believe that hell is real, and we believe, well, you know, God's just too good. He's got too much love and mercy. He would not send not one of us to hell. You're exactly right, but he'll let you choose it. He won't send one person, but he'll let us all choose. He lets us choose. Perfection, heavenly favor, abundance, healing, way makers, supernatural light, glorious, singing with the angels for eternity, mansions we can't understand, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't even entered into the hearts and the eyes of men what he's prepared for those that love him, or have my own way, be separated forever, and take chances that I'm going to figure out a way to endure, endless weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, a fire that will never be quenched. Hmm. And yet we still act like there's a choice, even when we've heard the truth. John chapter 8, starting in verse 42. See, Jesus, I don't know, I might be already past this. I don't know. Does anybody ever say that somebody was just like a savage? Is that still, is that being said at all about anything? Like, man, you're savage. Like, for a while, I heard, like, a lot of the young people, that was coming out of their mouth. So I might be outdating this comment, but Jesus was just like, mm, and he was like a savage. He would just show up and say something, and it was love, and it was, he would mess up religious folks. You know, if Jesus was up here this morning preaching, I guarantee, he, I mean, if he went on a little tour, like, like evangelists do, and he went on a tour, church to church, he'd shut most of them down because they're so religious, He'd be telling them things that would set them free, but they wouldn't want it. What do you mean I have to change my lifestyle to be free? I'm just telling you, you can't sleep with the devil and want God. You can't build the enemy a house in your home and then say, Lord, I want to serve you. It doesn't happen. You might as well get prepared to experience what the fallen angels have. I'm just being truthful. Time is short. Craig, I love you. Thank you for saying that because I don't ever say a thing up here because I want someone to be hurt. I don't ever say a word up here because I want someone to feel judged. What I say up here is the mandate that I'm called to tell the truth of the word because time is short. Hell is real. 
This isn't negative. I'm telling you, if you don't believe hell is real, you won't live right. If you, if you got kids, grandkids, co-workers, neighbors, parents that don't believe hell is real, they have no reason to live right. But I'm telling you, smile big and smirk at me when you're standing at that judgment moment when you hear, I never knew you. And you're going to say, but I was just playing. I got it. No, I'm sorry you don't. You weren't walking with my son. You did not let the blood of my son cover your sin. You thought you were going to do it on your own. Jesus is the only way. And it's not even a hard message. For those that receive it, it's simple. You don't even have to do anything. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You just have to say yes and truly receive his love. But Jesus, I'll I'll just say it. I think he was a savage. Jesus said to them, oh my goodness. This will empty out a church. He said, if God were your father, he was talking to the, he was talking, it was a leadership meeting. It was a leadership meeting. For real, because he was with the Pharisees, the leaders. Jesus said to them in the leadership meeting, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is the liar and the father of lies. Jesus told the whole church, the whole leadership crew, he said, You are children of Satan. You won't accept what I say because you want to hear and live according to your father's lies. That doesn't build a church too quick around here, does it? Like, he was literally saying, like, you're a spawns of Satan. You are Lucifer's little ones. You're like the little kids of the kingdom of darkness. You're following his lies. But, you know, he was telling the truth because he loved those Pharisees. He was telling them, listen, you don't get to the Father. The kingdom's not what you think. And I love that he would speak the truth, but he always did it with love. And it's really hard, really hard. I can understand why love matters so much because if the word of God is being spoken, it's hard and it's convicting and it's uncomfortable and it is requiring things of us. If you don't know the one delivering that word cares and loves you, most of the time you'll run from it. It happens in my house with my kids and I'm still trying to figure it out I'm like God I know they call me daddy or dad or whatever papa we, we joked around about when I'm a granddad they're going to call me poo poo <laughs> I'm like no I don't want that no <laughs> anything but that <laughs> I don't know they can call me what they want but um it's like with children or a neighbor or a friend or a relationship. It's in a church. If people know you love them, they can accept the truth even when it hurts. Jesus had a love that no one could ever, ever question. He proved it with his life. But do you know he loved so much that when he brought correction, that when he brought truth, even when it hurt, people had to figure out which deal they were going to make. 
Were they going to listen to the voice of God coming through his son and the truth that would set them free? Or were they going to make a deal with the Hollywood beautiful devil standing before them saying, deal or no deal? Come on, I'll do it. I'll give you this, but it will require your soul. And people like to, oh, there's all those songs about make a deal with the devil and whatever it is. And we celebrate that, but what's happening is there's folks sitting in our churches making the same deals as the people that bit off the heads of bats and get up and dance in front of millions of people and, and, and claim all this and they have the tattooed faces and they're making all the big silly things and gestures and vulgarity. Do you know that folks in church are making the same deal when they don't listen to the voice of the Father? It's just they've, they've put Hollywood behind it and they're proud of their decision to follow the devil. And they promote it. But in churches, we found a way to disguise it. I'm going to make a deal with the devil. I'm going to choose a deal that feels good to me. And then I'm just going to hope by the grace of God that somehow I am the one person on this planet that knows when Jesus will return. And I'll repent right before he comes back. No. God says no one will know. There's not one person walking this earth. Beware. Uh, 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 when someone starts telling you, I know when Jesus is coming back. I know when the rapture is going to be. I can tell you word for word exactly right now. I'll tell you the timeline, what you need, and when it's going to be this month and this day. Uh, uh, uh. Unless God's a liar, he says, no man knows. <laughs> Jesus doesn't even know. The Son of God, our Savior, the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he doesn't know when the Father is going to say, son, go get the children. Go get my children. He doesn't even know. So if we don't believe that hell is real, we're going to make the wrong deals. But Jesus was savage because he would tell the truth no matter what they thought. No matter how it came across, I got to go back because I got, there we go. Mark chapter 7. What was happening here is... The Pharisees were making this new, it was like this new commitment that they were asking people to make. And Jesus was questioning because, let me read this. Moses said, honor, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban. In parentheses, that is a gift to God, a gift to God. And I'll explain that in just a second. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no such effect through your own tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Jesus was telling them, look, the word of God says that people are supposed to honor their parents, and if they need to help do some things to help take care of them, that is of God. Don't you tell them that they got to bring this committed amount they had something called a Corban that was a commitment that they had to bring to the temple. And the Pharisees were saying, you can't help your parents. You need to give it to the temple. Don't you help your parents. And, and basically, Scripture here was saying, those Pharisees was making the word of God of no, didn't matter. Because they were saying, well, what we say, our tradition, what we want to do here in this temple matters more than what God has said in his word. Another example of why Jesus spoke the truth, and they were afraid of it. Because when Jesus spoke the truth, it might have meant they had just a little less wheat in that back corner office that they like to go in and prepare their extra meal. 
they had a couple less doves or a few less, whatever people would bring in, the coins, the gold, the silver. And they didn't like it because the truth that Jesus spoke, it wasn't their plan. Matthew 25, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me. You cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? Then he'll say and answer them saying this, assuredly, I say this to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Verse 46 and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's more truth that sometimes is hard to swallow. Well, we have our, our golden tabernacle, God. We got 17,000 people coming to our ministry. We're singing for three hours. We're bringing in a million dollars a week. Oh, God, we spend $2 million on light fixtures. We have concerts that are attended, and people are just throwing cash on the altars. God, we have, we're in no need. God, we don't need you anymore. We got success now. And what's happening is Jesus is speaking to the heart of the matter rather than the impact and what they saw. They were trying to say and act like it didn't matter. Someone was hungry. That's why I love. I love what God is allowing us to do here. We will do much greater and so much more. But Gateway West Church, we are feeding the hungry. We are clothing the naked. We are rendering service to the sick. We are helping those in need. And when you sow into this, this mission, you are a part of that investment. You're a part of it. So for those that say, oh, it's just about giving those, he just wants, pastor's looking to get 20 more bucks in the offering today, isn't he? No, I'm looking to obey the word of God. And sometimes us being obedient requires us to spend money. Because everything we give away costs somebody something. Didn't it? Every single thing that we give in the name of Jesus costs somebody something. And when we give, it is for a much greater purpose than us just to do something with a bank account. It's for us to completely sell out and continue to do what Jesus said to do. I don't want to be caught off guard and hear from him something like, wait a second. You all have the ability to make a difference on the streets in your city. You all had the ability when the folks were hungry and they didn't have clothes that you could have done something and you didn't. You were too worried about what guest you could pay $500 to come in and speak. You were too worried about doing this or doing that upgrade. I don't want to be accountable for that. I would rather spend every penny seeing souls one. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13. 
Start in verse 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. 38 and 39, there's a picture being drawn. There's something being drawn that we can see. The world is the field. Picture it. I want you to see it. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom of God. The tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Verse 40. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man, verse 41, will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And those who, there's an identity put on it, not just stuff, those. There will be people that this applies to. The Son of Man will send out, verse 41, will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom, they will gather out of the kingdom of God, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound like a fake idea to me. That sounds like a thing and a place and a destiny for those that disobey and don't and I, there's all kinds of arguments that people try to put up and say, well, God is too loving, and you know, hell is really just more of a mindset, and this and that. Congratulations for believing and taking the wrong deal. Deal or no deal. Congratulations. You don't think hell is real. But the deal will sound great. It will sound awesome. Well, you know, I can just play around with pornography just a little bit more. Congratulations, you accepted the wrong deal. Get ready, because hell is a place where there will be wailing, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Congratulations. Well, I didn't touch her. I know she's not my wife. I just thought about it. Um, I didn't go to that. I didn't do what I was thinking. It was in your mind. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I, I said that, but I really didn't mean it. Congratulations. You've accepted your deal, and it's sealed. Time is too short for us to live like hell is not real. I got to thinking, you know what? Lord, forgive me if I ever started to dabble on the side of just wanting to tell all the good news. Because sometimes people have to understand what their choice really means. I am being spiritually sarcastic my heart breaks for those that still sit here or will watch or that will say, nah, I got this figured out. I'll carry my sin. Yeah. What Jesus did on the cross, I'll, I'll get it figured out. I don't need that blood. I won't submit that to him. I'll do it. I'll, I'll make this one on my own, God. I got this. My heart breaks for those deals. My heart breaks for those deals. And I'll let our little tune finish up. I see people looking around. I'll let. It's all right. Deal or no deal. 
There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, isn't that more of an idea, Pastor Jason? Isn't it more of a mindset? Well, it says the Son of Man will send his angels and gather out of God's kingdom all the things that are offensive, that offend, and those that practice lawlessness, that don't abide by what is true. And they'll be cast into this furnace of fire. I'm sorry, but I don't hear anything in there that sounds like it's just a mindset. Revelation 21.8. I want you to hear this because if you don't believe hell is real, you will make the wrong deal every time. Revelation chapter 21, it says this, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars just maybe might possibly have their place in this lake. It doesn't say that. This is why this is so serious to me. Shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All of our bodies will experience death most of the time. There's like we got Jesus and we got, who was it, Philip? There's, like, there's maybe like two folks ever who didn't experience death in some kind of a way. Elijah, Elijah yes, thank you. And then Jesus experienced it, but overcame it for us. But the second death is after we've experienced what all of our bodies one day, if, you know, if, we're not, if we're not up in the air meeting the dead in Christ rising first, one day we will all experience death. A first death where our body succumbs to maybe our heart stops. Maybe our lungs stop functioning right. Maybe we go to sleep and we don't wake up. But the second death is when who you really are opens your eyes and you're not in God's presence. The second death is when you open your eyes of understanding, when your spirit man has full ability to feel and to hear and to understand and to experience and you open your eyes and you are not in God's presence and you never will be. Hell is real. If we take the wrong deal, we're setting ourselves up to make that our home. I think time is too short for us to just have all the good feeling sermons anymore. I think that God wants us to know the weight of our daily choices. Because to be honest, I feel like if we believed hell is real and we believed that what we did mattered, I think we'd have more of a desperate heart behind seeing people saved. I think if we really believed that Jesus could come anytime, if we really believed that this hell that people can go to, if we really believe that this heaven that's promised to those who believe, if we really believe that, I think you and I would have a hard time sitting in our seat acting bored on a Sunday. I think we would be so excited. And I'll tell you this, Bella's not in here to hear this, and I'm, I'm just about closing, but I'm not apologizing because God wants to speak this. Those that'll hear it, if you gotta go, I love you, be blessed. But last night, I don't know if anyone else saw it. Isabella, my youngest daughter, eight years old, she came out to me and she really wasn't supposed to be awake, but she was and it was okay. It was a weekend. She was being good. She ran over to me. I was sitting at the laptop looking and preparing a few things and she ran over to me with her hair fixed. So beautiful. She had her makeup done. 
I mean, beautiful. I mean, I don't know if one, did one of you sisters help her with her makeup or did she do that? She did that. So she, she looked like a little mini G, no, not GQ, that's a men's magazine, a little mini whatever. What, what's something, Vogue? Okay, whatever it was, she looked, it, and I looked at her, and I was almost like, oh my goodness, Bella, you are so beautiful. And she had on this beautiful dress, I mean, dressed up so nice, and she came over, and she, and she had this little robe, and it was cute, but it really spoke to me. I ended up crying sitting there at the table with my laptop as she walked away. She had this pretty little red velvet robe with some little linen things around it, and she had it wrapped up over her shoulders, and she walked up to me, and she was dressed so beautiful under the red linen or velvet robe. I think it was like some sort of costume thing, and she had it on, and she stood there, and she smiled so big, and she said, Daddy, I get to go to church tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, remember because of my eye, I didn't get to go Sunday or Wednesday. She said, I get to go to church tomorrow. And as soon as she walked away, I, I teared up my heart. It, it touched my heart because when was the last time the night before you were planning to get ready and all that you were going to do and how you were going to respond and what you were going to expect? And she was telling me all the reasons why she was so excited to come to church today. And Jesus was in there too. She had some little friends and just being at church and miss being here. But I thought if an eight-year-old can plan the day before and be that excited at like 12.30, almost one in the morning when she's supposed to be sleeping for three hours or longer and stand there at her dad who's getting red-eyed saying, just give me a minute, I'm trying to finish my preparation. And I almost turned her away. Like she wasn't in trouble, but I almost just turned her away like Bella, leave me alone kind of thing because I'm so busy. And I'm glad I didn't because she taught me something. What would happen, family? What would happen, Christians, if we would get excited to gather again in his name? Who would you bring to church? Do you know people will come if you bring them? I got my buddy from elementary, middle school, high school. I got him and his wife here again today. You know what? Y'all couldn't come if I wouldn't have brought you, could you? You wouldn't have been able to be here. Who will you bring into the presence of God? Don't tell me, well, you know, pastor, you just want to get a big ego and fill the church because it's, you know, you're the pastor. No, when God shows up like he showed up today, it is a shame that we have empty car seats. It is a shame. God, help us that we would, let us be convicted the next time we just think it's always only about us. I pray that you make us uncomfortable when we don't re reach out to people. Convict us, God, when we forget that we're on a mission to save people from a hell that's real. If we find somebody that we don't know knows Jesus, we should be looking. How many more can I fit in my car? How many more can I get here? And it's not about this place. Natalie, there's a lot of great churches and ministries in the area, aren't there? There's people that love Jesus all over the place. But when my God shows up the way he's been showing up here, I can't help but want to see people walk into his presence. I want to see it. God is so good. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, it says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed and the son of perdition. 2 Timothy 2, 3-5, But know this, 
But in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. It matters who you talk to. It matters who you hang out with. It matters who you call your buddy and your bestie and your friend and who you have dinner with and where you go out on Friday nights to. That matters. I want you to understand that. There's not a part of your life that gets to be secret. It's all God's. You don't even get to live your own life. Do you know this, this thing we have called me time doesn't really exist? Because when you go off on me time, that's God's. You better make sure you're giving it to him, even if you call it me time. I've heard people say that for years. I just need me time. You know, every, every second that ticks belongs to him. There's not a promise for our next, the ticking of the clock. It matters. What deal will you make? All of these things matter. From such people, we have to turn away from those type of lifestyles. Everything I read in there, do you see how prominent that is? We used to say, look how prominent that is in the world. But now, unfortunately, there's a lot of places. I don't think so much here, but in a lot of churches, that's a definition of half the attitudes sitting in the seats. Boasters, proud, liars, love themselves, love money, disobedience, unthankful. That's a definition of a whole lot of folks running around. Lord, help us. God, help us to know the truth. Help us, Jesus, to receive your truth. Second Timothy, and I'm almost ending right here, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh God, are you telling me? Are you telling me that I have to expect that things won't be easy? That's in the word. All of those living godly lives, it says shall and will. Lord, but wait a second. Won't you give me anything I pray for? The Bible says you will suffer persecutions. Out of all these things the Lord delivered me, even the godly in Christ, they'll, they'll suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Listen, it was almost... Craig, what you said was almost a part of this. There's going to be people lying. There's going to be people deceiving. There's going to be things happening in our culture. There's going to be things that will be called something, but it's really something else. Things that are really good, now it'll be labeled evil. Things that are absolute, abrupt, just perversion are now going to be called good and acceptable. And it's all going to happen. And it's all going to be put under new names and new definitions. But it says this. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. We can't quit. 
I mean, God gives us the choice. But like I said, the promises of God, eternal life in his presence, things that we can't imagine, or the second death, eternal separation from him. That doesn't seem like much of a choice to me. So to me, the alternative is I'm going to get as close to God as I can. I'm going to walk near him. I'm going to pray that I hear his voice. I'm going to pray that I walk with his spirit leading every step and choice that I make. And he says, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And he ends in verse 16 by saying, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Remember where you hear the good news from. Remember what you know. Don't turn away from it just because what's around us is changing. Remember the truth. Because when the day and the time come, that truth is the only thing that's going to get us through. The truth of Jesus Christ. Is that 2 Timothy chapter 2 or 2 Timothy chapter 3? I don't have time to look it up, but I know that's what's on the... If it's wrong, you can correct it, but that's what's on the PowerPoint. I could have at 1 in the morning put the wrong number. And here's where the solution, here's the answer. This is what you don't want to miss right here. Here it comes. Deal or no deal. If we confess our sins, it doesn't say if we are sinners. Do you know you can't be forgiven unless you ask? You can't be forgiven. Do you know people can't forgive you unless you go to them and say, would you forgive me? I'm sorry, I repent, whatever. Do you know you can't really be God says, if we confess our sins, and I'm not trying to get theological, I know that I can forgive someone whether they come and repent to me or not. So I know that's possible. So don't get that confused. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I did something. I have about a four-minute video, and I did this on purpose. This is, I'm getting ready to end right here. The game deal or no deal, it is almost a perfect picture of our Christian walk. You have all the opportunities presented. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they come dressed in a beautiful outfit or a handsome or they smell perfect, the right cologne. All the opportunities to, to advance ourselves. There's always someone there that, you know, kind of comes off like a little bit of the world. Hey, well, you know, are you sure? Are you really sure you want to stick to that Christian belief right now? You're going to take a lot of persecution. You're going to be called a hater. You're going to be called a fascist. You're going to be called probably a racist. You're going to be called a lot of things if you stick to those Christian, that love that, that you're proclaiming through Jesus. Stick to it. Don't make the deal because what happens is when you stick to what you know and you know it's been true... Even when those crazy deals come before you, that's when you win it all. And what we win in the end, those that endure to the end and don't listen, listen, because that phone is going to ring right when you have big decisions to make. That ring, that's going to happen every time there's a big deal going on in your life. And you'll have the availability to hear that dark figure's voice saying, 
but you could do this. You know that this is right, but no one's going to know. You could take this deal. And I want to play this clip because what happens in this, I just was curious and I looked it up. There's so many parallels in this game with you and I in our walk with God and our reward with him by listening to his voice and what we know is true. This person that is in this segment was the very first person ever that won the grand prize in Deal or No Deal. Is that ready to play? your final offer. Yeah, wow. This offer is guaranteed. It's huge. I believe it. You ready? Yeah. So I, I'm telling you, I trust 100% what you do. Every time, you always make the right decision. But I have to agree with your mom in this rare occasion and say, no deal. No deal. No deal. No deal. So for the final time tonight, I ask Jessica Robinson.
Robinson. One is worth two hundred thousand. Yeah. And one case is worth one million dollars. You've gone all the way. You have turned down every offer. You're going home with what's in your case. Your case is worth. You see what happens when you refuse the deals with the devil? Do you understand that she said no to every deal that was offered to her through the whole process? And what did she get? She won the whole thing. I'm telling you, hell is real and the deals will come at you every day, but you have to say no. No, because did you hear what her mother said? Did you understand when her mother spoke behind her? Everything got quiet. It was the voice of reason. It to me it represented the voice, that simple voice of God saying, you know what you're confident about. You know what is true. And her mom stood back there and things got quiet. And she said, you already visualized this. You've called all of this out. And I listened to it a hundred times. And I think the very last statement that her mom said, it sounded to me like she said, I'm here today for him. I could be wrong, but I'll tell you this. She didn't take not one deal the whole way through the process. She didn't give in to what she knew was right the whole way through. And that celebration that took place at the end was because not one time did she take the pretty thing. Not one time did she take the thing that was tempting. That's a big amount, God. Wow, I could have such a great life with that. Whew, it's not easy, but no deal. I'm going to do what I know is right. And here's the, this is the crazy part. Do you know the reason that she won is because she just did what she knew in her heart was right. And she didn't vary from it. Do you know there's not one single question or doubt if you say yes to Jesus that you win. There's not, there's not this big, oh, I got to figure this out. Say yes to Jesus, you win. And then every time the devil comes with a new deal, you say, no deal. Nope, not taking it. No deal. No compromise today. No deal, devil. And you win it all. This morning, I have this song as we end. I want to try getting you to, can you practice something with your hand with me? I want you to do something with your hand. It's my PowerPoint available for a second. If you can bring up, I think it's the last slide. I want you to, can you put your hand, do you see how that hand is like this? Can you put your hand like that? I want you to look at it for a second. That exact same way where your fingers are bent, your thumbs over, your fingers pointed. I want you to look at this finger just like that, just for a second. I want you to hold it up about like this one is right here. The devil's been making a lot of deals to you. He's been making a lot of offers. I know it. I know that he has. He does it daily in all of our lives. But I want you to help me do something. And I want you to turn your hand around and I want you to pretend like your little pointer fingers, a little windshield wiper. I want someone to stand up with me while you do your windshield wiper and I want you to yell out, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. No deal for me. Not today, Satan. Not today. 
get all uncomfortable if you want but if it sets you free it's not funny not today Satan not today Satan not today you won't have my children not today you won't have my mind not today you won't have my body not today you won't have my finances not today you won't have my marriage not today you won't have my children not today you won't steal my health not today you won't take my mind not today you're not taking my peace not today Satan that is how you shut the deal up and you say I know what is true and his name is Jesus if you say yes to him today, you've won. And all I'm saying is, my God, if I've messed up, I want to make sure because I don't want not one more deal to come my way that I pass up or that I grab a hold of and it's not your voice. We got to know, Lord. Help us to know and understand what your voice is and that we would turn away from the voice of the enemy. And I'm just asking this morning, if you want to say one more time, I want to have confidence. I want to have courage. I want to have boldness in my decision making. I want to know when to say no deal. I want to hear directly from you, God. And it starts with saying yes to your son. Father God, we believe and we, we, we say and confess today that we understand your word proves to us that hell is real. Help us to live our lives and make choices like we believe your word. Father, today I ask, and if you'll pray this with me, I'm going to right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I admit that I have messed up so many times in big ways. I've made mistakes. I've been embarrassed. And I felt ashamed. And I've tried to hide. And I know I'm guilty. Because I'm a sinner. But Jesus, today, I believe that you are the Son of God. I truly believe that you really walked on this earth that you really had friends that you had disciples you had followers that you had enemies you even had people that didn't want to hear your truth and I believe that you were killed a murderous death crucified and hung on a cross and I believe that three days later, just like the Bible says, that you rose up out of that grave, that you came back to full life, to full authority, and you did that for me. I confess right now, with my lips, with my mind, in all of my understanding that Jesus what you did on the cross matters to me I will not take it for granted and I repent for the times when I did I confess you now as my Lord I confess you now as my Savior I confess you now as the King of my life and I submit all of my thoughts, all of my decisions, all of my choices to you. Thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for changing me. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to be the voice of truth in my ears and in my heart so that with confidence I can say no deal. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.